me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Suck-a-tack. The number one award-seeking comedy podcast about comedy. Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Mark Hershaw. Yes, it's me, Mark Hershon, your host in 100% recyclable container for Epi 127 of Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast. We're back to the clippage this time with a fully loaded Succotash clip show. Before we get to that magic, I want to thank the folks that made last week's live recording of the next Succotash Chats episode possible. We'll be playing that next time. Our guests were Dana Carvey, his sons Dex and Tom Carvey, and Wayne Fetterman. Our announcer, Bill Haywatt, made the trek to L.A. along with me to be at the Comedy Lab at the Improv in West Hollywood. Also, thanks to Sean Merrick from the Sideshow Network, who made it all possible, and Ben Stewart, who ran the soundboard and provided us with the recording that you'll be hearing in our next episode. Rick Overton, past guest and friend of the show, is also slated to be on hand, but at the last minute got himself cast in an episode of Veep that was shooting the same day. Worth missing, appearing on a free podcast for you decide. I heard he did great, and that they may even bring his character back, so... What the heck? We'll get them on next time. All right, let's get into this show, shall we? That's what you got your earbuds on for. As I said, we've got a full rack of comedy podcast clips ready to roll. From the Burt cast, Brian Talks, Buffet Kings, Now That I'm Older, Push the Button, Rick and Paul Heal the World, Screams and Moans, Sup Doc, Wicked Theory, and You Made It Weird. That's right, all those shows on this time around. We also got a double dose of our Burst of Durst segment and a return to the Tweet Sack. Oh, wait. No, the Tweet Sack is still out of order, so no Tweet Sack this week either. But next time, no, next time we're live, well, we'll get to it, I promise. So if you tweet us your questions and comments and things like that to Mark M-A-R-C at SuccotashShow.com, uh, you send that in or you just mention at Show in your tweets, you will end up in one way or another in the tweet sack. All right, let's do the Durst. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a list of the winners in the Iowa caucuses. And there were plenty. Iowa's a special Olympics of politics. Thanks for playing our game. Here's a bunch of trophies. We're all winners here. Of course, the big winners were Ted Cruz and Hillary Clinton because they won, and that's what winners do. But Marco Rubio was also a winner because he exceeded expectations, and that is a political win. He also gave a victory speech, even though he came in third, which is another mark of a winner. Donald Trump was a winner because, as he informs us over and over, Donald Trump is a winner. But he was also a loser because he didn't win. Hillary Clinton, too, was a loser because she didn't win by enough, making Bernie Sanders a winner even though he lost. Chris Christie didn't try to win, and he didn't, so he's a big winner, with an emphasis on the adjective. Jim Gilmore was the slimmest of winners, since he only got 12 votes, 12 more than either you or I got, and we didn't even go to Iowa, which makes us winners as well. Carly Fiorina claimed to have come in a strong seventh, which makes her a winner for even imagining such a concept. Cubans won, Canadians won, Cuban-Canadians won, Corinthians won, Chris Matthews won. Your thoughts? Glenn Beck was a winner because he hung out with the guy who really did win. Sarah Palin? No, sorry, still not a winner. Martin O'Malley, Mike Huckabee, Rand Paul, and Rick Santorum are all huge winners because they don't have to do this anymore and can go home. But the biggest winners are the people of Iowa since the circus is picked up and moved to New Hampshire, taking with them all the political ads and now they can hear their pork futures again. The only problem is sometimes that much winning gets diluted, like a single scoop of peanut butter for an entire loaf of bread. So Ted Cruz should take the momentum of his win and run hard, because the last two Republican caucus winners came in 9th and 11th this time around. Winners still, but what you call very thin wins. For Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast, I'm Will Durst. Pork Futures. Thank you, Will. Appreciate you crafting your segments and sending them in to us. It's been about four years that you've been supplying the Burst of Durst, and I think this year, 2016, is going to be the year that we get you up to the Succotash mics for a real chat. How about that? But in the meantime, you can find more of Will at willdurst.com. He's also tweeting, you know, at Will Durst over on the Twit machine. 
All right, before I uh, proceed further with uh, the clippage for today, um, you may hear from time to time what sounds like rain on the roof of a car. That would be the uh, Studio F. Uh, that I'm in this morning, very early in the morning, and it's uh, it's raining here in the San Francisco Bay Area. It seems to have let up a bit, but uh, with my convertible top, when it rains, it you hear it. So uh, if you hear that while I'm doing my thing, that's what that's about. Do not be alarmed. It's nothing wrong with your equipment. It's just Studio F is not well insulated against the elements. All right. Our associate producer, Tyson Saner, clipped us off a chunk of the Burt cast hosted by comedian Burt Kreischer. Bert's a funny guy, and I love his appearances when he gets on Doug Loves Movies, especially when that insane laugh of his gets going. It's all sort of girlish and giggly. Uh, he tours the comedy clubs a lot, but he also cranks out the episodes. This is from back in December, Epi 150, when he had comedian Jimmy Tingle on the cast. And this never, probably never would have happened if I didn't do that show out there. First of all, got great reviews, got more confidence in the material. But also, I saw an article in the newspaper. I was flying back to Boston to uh, do um, do a one-nighter to get some money because it was like twenty five hundred dollars a week to rent that place at the at the uh, twenty two thousand maybe twenty five hundred at the time the Coast Playhouse. Yeah. And I was again producing it myself. And it, that's the thing about producing; it's a risk. You know, yeah. you don't know if you can. And we never got the money back. You know, we lost money on it. But what I did get was uh, I'm leaving there and you know, nice reviews and everything. But I'm I'm going back and I see this article in USA Today about sixty minutes and sixty minutes uh, is doing a new show called Sixty Minutes Two and they're doing it on Wednesday night and they have all the uh, they have all the correspondents. They got Mike Wall, you know Dan Rather and you know uh, what's his name Scott Pelly who's now in the air there and uh, Bob Simon and they have everybody they need Mike Walls the only person they don't have for the Wednesday show is the Andy Rooney guy they need somebody to do the Andy Rooney spot yeah and they had been putting the feelers out to the industry for months because they were and I saw the article and I called Ray Rio my manager at the time at Brillstein and Gray I said Ray send these guys the tape because this is I'm perfect for this because I've been pitching myself for that type of a commentary that's what i wanted to do yeah take these comedy bits that were relevant and social and political and just do them to camera for to a larger audience and he sent the tape and uh, and and i went down and i got i got the job i ended up getting the job and so it was a it, you know the silver lining coming out of that story was basically you know things don't happen the way you think they're going to happen but a lot of times they happen completely out of left field. I never could have imagined a break like that in a million years. Didn't you know? What didn't come from management? Didn't come from an agent. It came from seeing the article in the newspaper and asking the manager to send them the tape, which he did, and interviewing. And Barry Katz was extremely helpful with that. So I love Barry. Barry's a Barry's a really yeah. fascinating guy. Yeah, man, he, he really helped a lot with that. Is. Yeah. Anyway, so got that gig, and that allows you to do when you do TV, as you know, you get then you can. You can just do more. Well, what's fascinating about those 60-minute spots was it's one take. Yeah. It was one take. It was, I mean, the ones I saw were one take yeah. of you. Yeah. Like a man, like man on the street almost. Yeah. But you weren't, they weren't chopped up. Right. Which is so, I don't think people understand that these days, but like these chop cuts that you see on vlogs and on YouTube of kids putting out their, trying to do their Andy Rooney, their yeah. 60, their, their 60 minutes Andy Rooney spot. Yeah is them editing it over and over and I, yeah. I watched you do one on uh on uh on parking meters and I thought yeah. to myself that's one take yeah there's that's that's one yeah. take I'll tell you what else is which I don't think people understand how impressive this is your Harvard uh commencement speech yeah that was murderous <laughs> but it's like I, I I felt like it was you were just like there was no prompter there you were just kind of there was riffing. no prompter yeah well, you know, it's funny you say that because the the great thing about 60 Minutes was that, you know, it's it's one take, but you got to, like, that park and meter routine was yeah. right out of my act. Yeah. And then I just did it to camera. The problem and the challenge is, okay, now you got to do two minutes next week. Yeah. And you got to do two minutes the next week. And then you got to do two minutes a year from now. And it can't, you, all, you act this only so long. So you have to write and come up with stuff in a much shorter period of time that is level is that the same thing like you were saying about creating a new hour every year like yeah. louis and bill well and you're doing it by yourself you're not john oliver who has 15 writers yeah. who writes a rant for them 
It, you, yeah, you got to basically come up with it yourself. Yeah, that's the whole trick. Yeah. You know, so anyway, that was a big challenge at 60 Minutes. And um, when I got off of that, I did two seasons there, and uh, they were huge, huge break. But um, what I ended up doing is going back to Massachusetts, starting a theater in, in, in Davis Square, Somerville. And uh, I, went, I ended up going back to school after the theater closed, after five years. And that's how I got on the the. the the commencement address. Yeah, you did. You got your. It was your master's. Got a master's degree. Yeah, in, in uh, public policy, master's of public administration at the Kennedy School of Government, which is a graduate school. Yeah, a part of Harvard and uh, great school, inspiring students. Everybody's there for public policy purposes. You know, you have like people from the the like you got special forces and Green Beret people, and you got people that work with you know Amnesty International, and the NGOs, and the, you know. Those people, you got the people from the World Bank, you got CEOs, and they're all in there, and they've all been in their workforce, you know, 15, 20 years. They're mid-career people, and they're all there to kind of retool and think about what they want to do. There's a dab of Bert, and you can find episodes easily enough on his home site at BertCast.com. That's B-E-R-T-C-A-S-T.com, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbay, and more. That includes the All Things Comedy Network, which is where he chooses to hang his hat, Mr. Kreischer. Another clip from Tyson's Harvest comes to us from the Now That I'm Older podcast, hosted by Ken Baldwin and Shane Smith. The general premise for the show is that getting older sucks, but can also be awesome at the same time. I believe I can vouch for both of those conditions. The two hosts like to poke fun at the world at large as well as at each other. They occasionally review movies. This clippage is from Epi 47 from December and features Shane going off on the worst part of his telemarketing job. All right. So at one point in my life, I was a telemarketer. And when I say I was a telemarketer, if you've never done this kind of a job, picture yourself banging your head up against a wall for around eight hours a day until you see blood and then you keep right on going. That's what being a telemarketer is like. My job was to sit on the phone for eight hours a day, call up guys at companies like plant managers and maintenance managers and say, hey, would you spend five minutes with me and talk about my natural gas service? Now, if you're listening to me explain it and you're getting bored, just imagine being the guy on the other end who's got shit to do and there's some weird guy calling and asking to talk about your natural gas service. But I was actually good at my job. I was able to get people to talk to me. I was able to get people to do the surveys with me and it wasn't really a hard job. The only real problem with this job was some of the people I worked with. We had one girl that worked there. We only had around eight to 10 employees that worked there at any given time. And we hired this one girl named Jennifer and Jennifer would sit at her desk and Jennifer would clear her sinuses. I'm using air quotes when I say clear her sinuses because she would sit over there and do things like (laughs) and stuff like that. I'm not going to do all the noises, but she would literally make those kind of noises for around 15 to 20 minutes every morning. This went on for about a week before I finally had the nerve to stand up and be like, Jennifer, Is there any way you could possibly go to the restroom? And I was trying to be as nice as possible, but at the same time being like, what the fuck are you doing with the tone of my voice? And she said, this is no different than anybody else who just sneezes at their desk or coughs at their desk. It's just a bodily function. Just get over it. We all had to swallow our pride. We went to the receptionist who was also the manager of the office and said, is there any way you can talk to Jennifer? And she was like, no, you know, it's she's okay. She's not disturbing you guys when you're on the phone. She only does it in the very beginning of the morning. And we all had to just kind of deal with it when Jennifer would clear her sinuses. We had another guy who worked there by the name of Roger. And Roger would go into the actual bathroom and he would shave. He would bring his electric razor. He would shave his face. And he wouldn't clean all the hair out of the sink. He would do like a haphazard job and leave all sorts of beard hair in the actual sink. So you'd go into the restroom after him, go to use the bathroom, and then wash your hands, and suddenly there'd be beard hair everywhere. We'd ask him about it, be like, Roger, is there any way? No, I'm not the one shaving my face. Roger, you're the only one who went into the bathroom before me this morning. You're the only one who could have done this. No, it wasn't me. I I didn't shave my face. And he would completely deny it every time. Well, all of that stuff was kind of small potatoes compared to one morning towards the end of me working there. I go to the actual office, and I went in to use the restroom, and... While I'm standing over the toilet, I start smelling something like something smells really, really bad in there. But I don't think anything of it. I'm like, maybe somebody went in the bathroom before me. No big deal. So go back to my desk and somebody goes into the bathroom after me and they come out and they're like, Jesus, Shane, what did you do while you were in here? And I'm like, wait a minute. Do you smell it too? And they're like, what the fuck did you do to the bathroom? I said, nothing. I went in and peed. I didn't even poop in there. They're like, no, dude, you had to do something in here. This just smells terrible. And we start smelling around in the bathroom And we're like, something is off in here. 
And then we realized like the whole little area where the girl's bathroom and the guy's bathroom is, that little kitchen area, the whole thing smells. So we're like, maybe it's the girl's bathroom. Maybe the girl screwed up the bathroom. Walk over to the girl's bathroom, can't smell it. Walk out into the kitchen area, can't smell it. Go back into the bathroom, we smell it. We like, maybe something stopped up in the toilet. You know, maybe somebody, maybe somebody did an upper decker. You know, like we literally pulled the top off the toilet and thought maybe somebody had pooped in the top of it or something like that. Couldn't find anything to do with anything. Looking in the trash can, thinking maybe somebody had thrown something away, like, you know, somebody had thrown some toilet paper away in the trash can or something along those lines. Nothing in there. Finally, I decided that I was going to get the bright idea to take the trash trash bag out of the trash can and just see. And lo and behold, there's a little log in the bottom of the trash can where someone, presumably the cleaners at my office, had pooped in the trash can and then put a brand new bag over the top of it. I will never forget going into work and having someone shit in the trash can at my office. Needless to say, I was gone very close to after that. I just couldn't deal with people pooping in trash cans and bodily functions at the desks and things like that. But outside of the actual talking to the customers, poop in the trash can was the worst part of my telemarketing job. See, one of the beautiful things about podcasts is that anyone can do it. Yeah, there's a lot of professional comedians and actors and journalists that are doing them. But there's Shane. He's a telemarketer, and yet uh, he's able to get together with Ken, and they put out uh, Now That I'm Older. And the world just keeps expanding at a furious rate. There are so many podcasts now. It's amazing. You know, I do reviews for Splitsider.com and also the Huffington Post uh, Entertainment section every week. And every week I find more and more podcasts that I'm just finding out about or that have been around for a lot longer than I knew. But anyway, if you'd like to find uh, either the episode that that came from or other episodes of Now That I'm Older, find them at their home site at rogueintel.com. They're also, of course, on iTunes, SoundCloud, all those other places that feature downloadables and streamables. I think I mentioned the title of this next podcast we're featuring when it first came out for two reasons. The first is that one of the co-hosts, Paco Romain, is a comedian and actor in San Francisco who I happen to know. The second reason is the close connection our show's titles have. Ours, of course, is Succotash, as in Sufferin' Succotash, the catchphrase of the Warner Brothers cartoon cat Sylvester. Paco and his compadre in podcasting, George Chen, run SupDoc which may sound a lot like Bugs Bunny's What's Up Doc tagline. Like our show, theirs have nothing to do with those characters. Mine has to do with succotash being a tasty side dish made up of all sorts of different things, just like our show's made up of different clips, you see. And Sup Doc is a podcast that looks at film documentaries. I've been hanging on to this clip for a few months because I wanted to see the film they were talking about first, which is Going Clear, the somewhat chilling documentary about Scientology. It's quite amazing if you've not seen it yet. Their guest in this show, Epi 16, is Jamie DeWolf, who's also the great-grandson of none other than Scientology's founder, L. Ron Hubbard. Uh, and uh, he's not connected to the movie at all, but he does have his point of view on not just going clear, but the whole Scientology thing and his great uh, great grandfather besides. And I was I was I knew who Elron was since I was really young. And I had, um, you know, I had his Mission Earth books and things like that. And I was really proud of that fact. I had no idea, though, that he was. Uh, cult leader. I had no idea that he was. You thought he was ever. just a sci-fi writer when you're. Yeah, driving. and yeah. so I mean, my 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 mom was like, "We ain't going there for a while." And none of that part of the family started. Intro- none of that part of the family's in Scientology. No, I mean my my grandfather was obviously for a while until 1959, and you know my grandmother she was you know Elron's personal typist for a long time and stuff like that. And also the, in those early days, though, is that. Um, they had a kind of a strange relationship because, you know, his son shows up. His son is basically this young, beefy dude, kind of looks like his dad, same name, right? Same red hair. And he kind of became an enforcer for his father and did a lot of nasty shit, muscled a lot of people, blackmailed him, beat him up. Um, and also in his memoir, he talks about a lot. The memoir has never been released, but it it talks a lot about how, his father showed him a lot of like black magic, occultic sex rites and all this crazy, disturbing shit that is absolutely fucking true. Uh-huh. It just sounds so preposterous because it is inherently ridiculous in nature. But Elrond believed in that shit. And that's right. been proven over and over. And he did a lot of 
you know, occultic sex rites with Jack Parsons, who is American benefactor of of Aleister Crowley, uh-huh. and um, the Jet Propulsion Lab stuff. Exactly, yeah. and so they, I mean, they literally tried to bring about the apocalypse by going into the desert and having like, you know, quasi sexual rites, and so um, <laughs> and I I don't actually believe in uh you know black magic and i've only been to burning man once so i don't really put a lot of investment (laughs) in whatever you're going to draw on the fucking sand well a lot of it is more about necessarily it's about the intent you know it's about the thinking of it and it's also the fact that he he hid a lot of those roots and hid a lot of who he truly was for a long time but yeah that's always why i hate the religious intolerance shit is like it never started as that mm-hmm. so i mean i mean for them to even hide behind it is 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 bullshit well that was like the whole in the movie this is brought up like it was basically because he didn't pay taxes hubbard didn't pay taxes well what happened is that yeah i mean they're like okay if this is science prove it yeah. you know what i mean and, and if this is a mental health uh you know new device who are you helping? Right. <laughs> and he would actually he would bring people forth, and it was like, I have the first clear, yeah. you know, and and to bring them on stage to try to substantiate his claims, and they would just dive bomb like a motherfucker because, I mean, it was totally fraudulent, you know what I mean? And so, so then he realized that if you turn it into a religion, you don't have to prove shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> And that you don't, no one fucks with your money. It's brilliant. I mean, it's it's totally brilliant. It's yeah. amazing. Like and and how, it's like the guy won. Yeah, he won. He it's like he's still, he's dead. And yeah. these motherfuckers are still fighting for this bullshit that basically he got rich off. Yeah. He cashed out. You know what I mean? He yeah. died with millions, like millions. He, From what I know from people who even carry these bags, he got a million dollars in cash every week delivered to him yeah. and he was like completely psychotic in a fucking trailer with his teeth rotting out he couldn't even spend the money but he just he just loved stacking yeah. it in addition to the episode there's some really interesting chat up in their home site at pacoromain.com slash podcast uh, or you can get it from a bunch of other locations including iTunes and SoundCloud if that link's too uh, long and weird to, to write down to get to uh, Paco Romain's site you can always get to our site Succotash Show Dot com And I have links to each of the episodes we feature, uh, where the clips came from, up on our uh, the latest blog posting that goes with this episode, Epi 127. So just click on the title, and it will take you to either their home site or a place where you can find the episode. Because we are here for you. As I mentioned earlier, uh, next episode will feature our live recording made at the Improv in Hollywood, or West Hollywood actually, featuring Dana Carvey among our other guests. Tyson had clipped an episode of Pete Holmes, You Made It Weird, from over a year ago, uh, December 2014, that featured Mr. Carvey in a long show. I think it was like three hours long. Well, in this snippet, Dana thinks on Lauren Michaels and also Paul McCartney in the year before SNL's 40th anniversary. His sensibility informs everything. And I, I, I often thought, because I didn't realize that he was the smartest boss I ever had. Because down along the way, I had other directors, producers. And I went, oh. And so I think all the Harvard guys, you know, uh, Downey and Franken, Conan, all these guys, they would have they ran roughshed over someone who wasn't their peer. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. the Lauren sensibility, it's kind of like what John Lennon said about Pete Best. You know, he's not a Beatle, you know. And Lorne, whatever, he, at least this was, we were the last pre-giant cast because mm-hmm. it was just Phil Hartman, Jan and me were hired. Nora was there with John Lovitz. And then there was Whitney Brown and Dennis. Whitney was a feature player and Kevin. So it was like me, John and Phil were like the, so I was, my very first show, I was in the cold opening. I didn't even know I was in the cold opening. I didn't even know how it worked. And then I I ended up, the church lady was the last sketch in the practice show. Yeah. And I went, isn't that special? And it just killed, so it moved up to the first sketch. And then I had chopping broccoli at the end of the show. This is Sigourney Weaver. So I'm so terrified. Remember, I'm back just, how the fuck? I was playing a pizza parlor, I'm not kidding, in yeah. Martinez in June. This is October. And I'm like. I can't believe my manager, Brad Gray's, I had a paramount who kind of talks like this. He came into my dressing room. I'm just fucking panicked. He goes, I don't know why it is. I don't know why it happened, but it's your show. It's your show. Tonight's your show. And the show had been not even renewed for a full season. It was the lowest ebb of its time. Yeah. We were told, if you don't hit the ground running, you're going to turn the light out on Saturday Night Live. 
It's your show. I don't know why it is, but it's your show. And it's going to be so you. So he leaves, and I'm just swearing into the mirror, trying to calm myself. Fuck you. I was just so scared. And if you look at the church lady and some of those early, and the hand goes up, wet with sweat. Completely. Yeah, just of wet. Of course. Oh. oh, my God. Scary. But then you get the laugh, right? Once you get the laugh, and I'd not, the first time I ever did sketch comedy was on Saturday Night Live. So my head would go to the audience. I want in a sketch. I hear the laugh. I wanted to face them. Yeah, yeah. Because it's stand up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dana, you're in an. You're actually in a scene. So you look at the person who's talking to you, not to the audience. It's that thing of like you know we're suspending disbelief. <laughs> he's, he's the greatest. He was the greatest. And he, uh, Lauren. I like what you said about being steamrolled. He would have been steamrolled by these huge personalities. So he yeah. had to kind of assume the role, almost like a cult leader of some sort of deity. Yes. Right? Yeah. And now it's a little bit because of the, you know, obviously social media and the large cast. I feel like it's like Survivor or something. Because we know everyone who's on there through social media and who's going to stay on the island. Yeah. I mean, it's very, very different. I think that having a 40 year, because that thing comes up. In February, 40 years of this show. Oh, my God. So you go on there and you're like, man, the legacy behind you. I mean, we had the Eddie Murphy years. We had, um, we meaning me, Phil and Chan stuff. We yeah. had the original cast. And then we had the um, the Billy Crystal year, one year with, mm-hmm. with uh, you know, Christopher Guest. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody reveres. And Martin Short, huge hero. Yeah. Yeah. These yeah. are just amazing stories. It, it, it's, it's still – I read Jay Moore's book. I, <laughs> gasping for airtime. Did you read it? Uh, no, but he, he said, was there. Yeah. He says a funny thing about how no matter what he did, he was in Jerry Maguire with Tom Cruise. Right, yeah. It doesn't matter. You're all, when you do Late Night, they say – when you did Conan. From Saturday Night Live. They say from Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. And that was just to go full circle. Uh, Lauren said – this is a quick story, but Lauren said, I, uh, why don't you come out to my house in Long Island? He, I was casting the show. I stayed in, Long, on, in his house – for a month, <laughs> Chevy Chase was next door, coming over. It was me, A. Whitney Brown, and Lauren. Um, you can have Jack's room, Jack, uh, Jack Nicholson. You know, <laughs> it was always, you know. And I'm just nervous, and I'm in Long Island, and I didn't feel funny. I didn't feel anything. Yeah. I felt, why am I here? Yeah. And I woke up. I woke up one day, and I looked out in the lawn, and Lauren was naked, lying down on a. He's getting a massage, you know. <laughs> And he would, like, produce dinner because um, he had a little – you'd prick some corn with Whitney and they'll get the poultry. And he was, pr- he was like, producing it. And then he was at dinner time. I realized he produced it. Um, but he, he said, tonight Paul's coming over. And so Paul McCartney came over yeah. with Linda. And that was just out of body. It was just, you're, you're Paul. I'm here. Yeah. He just had recorded a new song. He wants to put it on. Linda's right next to him. Lorne Michaels, Chevy Chase, Whitney Brown. And so he puts the song on, and he leans into me, and he goes, this is a quote, not even have to be a joke. Sometimes when you're writing, you, you work so hard to live up to whatever, you end up ruining the fucker. Pete always has very interesting guests on You Made It Weird. You can find all that over at Nerdist.com, which is where the You Made It Weird home site is. And you can hear, again, Mr. Carvey next week live or recorded live from the improv. So don't forget about that show. That's going to be our Epi 128. And now it's time for a word from one of our sponsors. Ah, hell. Okay, our only sponsor. Hello, friends. Whether you are a believer or not in all of this global climate change malarkey, there's no denying that the world's weather has taken on an odd end-of-days look and feel. A day that's bright and balmy one moment can change into a dark and stormy with no warning at all. Which is why the design team at Henderson's Pants has come up with a new exciting breakthrough— Poncho Pants. Yes, for the first time in trouser history, or trousery as we like to say, you can own a stylish pair of pants fit for any business meeting or social occasion, which is also equipped with a sturdy pullover poncho that not only comes with a hood, but is 100% waterproof to boot. The poncho, super thin and made of high-density mylar, is compressed using Henderson's patented microfold technology and tucked into the rear waistband of the pants. Now, at the first drop of moisture, simply reach behind your own back like this, and with a good stiff yank on the poncho, as if giving yourself, how, a Melvin or a wedgie? Well, you unfurl the garment over... This hurts. Sorry. Unfurl the garment over your head and down in front of yourself. You'll be as right as rain and dry as a bone, ready to get on with the business at hand. 
Henderson's Poncho Pants are perfect for both men and women. Be sure to check out our other foul weather garments, the skinny jean serape, the coverall cords, and our denim and duster western combo. Originally designed for Neil Sedaka, Gene Kelly, Credence Clearwater Revival, and anyone else who gets those references, <laughs> Henderson's Poncho, Poncho Pants, Pants are available anywhere cold fronts and warm fronts like to smack into each other. That's Henderson's, dressing on the left and on the right since 1837 because we're just that big. And now back to Sacotage. Thanks, Bill Haywatt. I first learned of the Brian Talks podcast from a note that host Brian Kane Jackson dropped into the tweet sack. By note, I mean tweet, and by tweet sack, I mean tweet sack. He wanted to know if I'd had a chance to check out his brand new podcast, which I had not. But I did after that, and I liked what I heard. It's sort of part sketch, part news, part reaction to the news, and interviews. It all makes for a well-rounded show with a decent sound. He also seems to be pretty connected. This clip comes from his recent episode where he was hanging on the set with the entire cast of NBC's show Undateable. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Here's more with the cast of Undateable. Oh, and then there was a guy. This is what really I was like, you know what? Fuck this place. This guy was walking on the street. He had on like a three-piece suit. It was like blue, like bright blue. And he, he was a real stocky guy. He was walking down the street, not, and 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 uh, was and it he just what? Was it the penguin? Yeah, my dog. <laughs> <laughs> real he, long and cigarette. He, like, and he bumped me hard. Like I tried to move out of the way, but he still bumped me really, really hard. And I was like, I, I, I was like, you know what? Fuck this place. Who the who does that? I don't know the guy <laughs> at all. I saw him coming. I was like, oh, I gotta get out of the way. And he just shouldered me, and it, it hurt, man. He was real strong. <laughs> That, that is Get out of the way! Did you, did you say anything to him? I was so shocked. I turned around. I was, I was like, "Oh boy, surely he's going to say something." Rude he, didn't, he didn't say anything, and I was like, "What?" And he was also so big. If he had, he was walking very fast. If he was walking slow, I would have been like, "What are you doing?" But he was, he was fast. He was moving, and, and he was big. I got a feeling by the way you're talking, he wasn't going that fast. It yeah. sounds like you're just coming up with a reason to not. Yeah, no, he was going fast. He was walking fast. I've, you've been to San Francisco, right? I've never, yeah, I've never been. People walk really? pretty fast. I it's like New York. It's like, they, they move fast. I've been in New York. You gotta move fast because you gotta get away from people with shit in their lives. Oops! That's she, she keeps spinning. She keeps spinning. They're not from there. Oops! Yeah. She keeps hitting my knee. Can you stop pointing out everything? But you did actually have drool. <laughs> I just saw a picture of your split tongue. Oh, yeah. I have never seen anything like that in my life. I take it you've never been to San Francisco. <laughs> well, what, what happened? He ate a bagel. I fought a bagel. You fought a bagel? Yeah, I was biting my tongue. I mean, I bit my tongue. <laughs> Yeah, I was just chewing a bagel, dude. People make mistakes. Yeah, but how did you do that to this I'm day? A, I'm a hard eater, man. I just, Chris <laughs> thinks you did it on purpose. He's a hard lover. He's a how hard lover. He's a hard eater. <laughs> oh, really, Chris? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. That proves I was right. Oh, yeah, watch what I can do to my ears. I can see a podcast for Spanx. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, On the New York Times. Better than the San Francisco Chronicle. It's actually really, really respectable. No, I'm joking. <laughs> How do you think he uh, he did it on purpose? Because I think that he, well, I don't think he was like I'm gonna bite my tongue. Oh, I think he's his body subconsciously like made him bite his tongue. What? He thought was he that thought, our first show? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like he thought it would like bring attention to the show and also mostly you. You know what I mean? I mean, you're such an asshole. <laughs> I mean, for someone talking about needs attention. No, I know, but I, I, I mean, yeah, no, I do too, but I'm just saying, no, I think that's But that. he does everything consciously, so. Oh, right, subconsciously I needed attention, and my body's like, bleed. Oh, no, 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 your body, it's a little kid. No, your body, your, no, 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 it's so deep, though, there's no way you can tell. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. No, I, I, I'm, I'm positive of it. I bit my tongue. It hurt. <laughs> I bit my tongue because I wanted a I wanted him a bagel. Boy, that a boy. And I thought that you know it would be good for the taste. Good. It might be good for the show, to be honest. You biting your tongue. It wasn't. I didn't have plans of going to outlets with it. I didn't even tell anybody. The writers. Yeah, it was on TMZ and all over the place. The writers submitted it and stuff. I didn't know about it. You really took off. Call it outlets. 
So let's find. Oh, Brent's parents and his artists, and this is what you're a mother. And hey, Rick bit his tongue. Let's all make fun of him. That's, That's my interview question. question. What about Grandma Gloria? It was just the first what about thing her? that came up when I <laughs> just <laughs> something. And it was just it made everything else after. So it was the first thing that came up. It was the very. I've done other things. <laughs> what? Rick Lashing, you may you may know him from having bit his tongue and this podcast. <laughs> Instances as I bit my tongue. Yeah, well, I'm not Troy McClure. <laughs> starting to cry, starting to cry. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh, oh. Jeez, she left. You moved to Los Angeles in 2008 to establish yourself as a I mean, heartthrob. I once, I once wrote a bio years right. ago, and I put that as a joke, and that credit has been that following me forever. Happens. That's what happens yeah. when you do a real joke like that. <laughs> Like you do, and then people think like, oh, he thinks he's the new Jewish heartthrob? <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> You're like, it was a joke. It was a joke. And nobody believes you. That's what happens. I knew it was a joke. All right, for more, check out the Brian Talks podcast. Brian is spelled with a Y, and Talks is in all caps, and connected to the name Brian, which is not in all caps, but spelled with a Y. Got it? No? Well, visit the blog entry for this episode at our home site, SuccotashShow.com, and click on the link for Brian Talks. Also, you can just go to iTunes or Stitcher or Google or whatever and put in Brian with a Y in podcast, and the Brian Talks podcast will show up. I, I promise it will. Thanks to our man Tyson Saner, we have a clip from a podcast called Rick and Paul Heal the World. <laughs> that sounds like a tall order. I also can't find the last names of these guys anywhere, which certainly limits their liability if they don't end up saving the world. Just to get you back in the holiday mood, this clip is from just before last Christmas, where Rick and Paul explore the pain and misery of holiday shopping. So as you get closer and closer to Christmas, yeah. you get more and more people in your town, don't you? you They're do. all trying yeah, to do the yeah. same thing. They're all trying to get that shopping done. Well, you're Paul from that comedy podcast, aren't you? I bet you can't go anywhere. <laughs> oh my gosh, I get surrounded everywhere <laughs> I go. And you're, and you're working through the streets. You'll get people that are collecting money for charity. I'm sure those charities are perfectly reasonable things to give money to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but they get in the way. It's, 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 not, the way. it's not just them. You've got buskers on the streets, haven't you? Playing a little music. Um, that's right. A little ho-ho-ho music. You've got the markets now. We have a, like a German market in town. What's ho-ho-ho music? Um, ho Ho, a hoedown. Ah, I could see that joke sort of rearing its head. It's looking, peeking around the corner. So you get the German markets and there's yeah. tons and tons of people. And I, I can't take, I can't take it anymore. Right. All of these people, there's just too many people. One of the worst places yeah. is M&S. You go in and uh, yes, there's lots of people as you get in every other shop. But because of the sort of different sort of things they sell and aim it at different ages of people... It's it's harder to get past people because they're moving much slower. You're absolutely right. You go through the doors in a Marks and Spencers, and as you go in, the slow ones are immediately in your way. The back markers, the people that you've got to lap. That's right, yeah. And so you try and sort of get your way in between yeah. the clothing se- the, the clothing sections you would never be seen in normally, of course. Absolutely the lingerie not. section or, you know, old ladies' coats. You know, would you like to get to the old ladies' coat section? You're trying to work your way around there to see if you can find a quicker route, and then you pop yeah. out, and you're still behind the same person. <laughs> and then you get behind them on the escalator, and you go all the way up to the top. Ah! It's almost as though the moment they're out of sight, they speed up that, just so they can it. be in your way again. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's part of, part of the deal. Rotters. That, that, those instructions come with the M&S Advantage card, <laughs> I think. Okay, well, I've got the solution for you, Rick, oh. because that drives me up the wall. Is it okay. going to ruin their Christmas? Um, yeah, it yeah. is going to ruin their Christmas, <laughs> but it's going to make mine a great deal better, okay? You in a nutshell. So when you get there to the start of the pedestrianised section, say you yeah. parked somewhere and then you, and then you come out and, you, uh, and you're like, right, okay, shopping begins, yeah, I'm going to yeah, start yeah. going up the street, you attach a device. Right. Okay? And it's called the People's Plough. Okay. Right. Okay. I'm okay. With I've I've already given it. I'm throwing it out there right away. I I don't need to do a big build up for the name because the idea is so good okay. that you know the, the, it stands up for itself. Okay? okay. And what you do, you kind of strap this thing on. You know how a train goes through um, snow. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You know it'll have a it'll have a plow on the front. You know, yeah. or like a digger might have one, might in it. You've you been know. watching Thomas the Tank Engine again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, they do. I that. love it so. Like a plough nose, a plough nose, you know, plow at, nose. The, at the bottom, like a like a, bir- a bird's beak, yeah, you know, quite sharp. They fit that on the front, okay, and you know, Siberian 
uh, railways covered in snow don't stand a chance, that train will get through. Yeah, no no yeah, trouble yeah, at yeah. all. Well, I'm just saying, let's take that excellent idea and move it into the public highway. Right. Okay, I attach my people's plough yeah. okay, with big leather straps over each other, like a pair of braces. Yeah, okay. or lederhosen. Okay, that's right. And it's probably got some wheels on the bottom because I imagine it would be made of metal and so it would be quite heavy. Okay, and maybe it's golden as well. I think right. that would be nice. Gold to a nice shimmer, you know. We Just just to let you know, we're hitting budget. <laughs> that's it. That's the point. I have to roll that back. Maybe you silver, <laughs> silver. Okay, okay. And, and, then, and almost like a trolley. Yeah. Okay, you kind of roll it then through through the town and, and people just... Well, they just bounce off, don't they, I suppose? You know, you might have some... Excuse me, sir, do you want to... Can you donate anything to... uh, Out of the way. That's right, exactly. That's right, that's him, there he goes. Off he goes. See him go. Um, You've got the buskers, you know. Oh, give me some money, I'm a little bit poor. Here's a song. You know, out of my way. That is the busker song, isn't it? it. That's right. On you go. Get into M&S. Well, I tell you what, make it bigger or better in M&S... By yeah. uh, maybe having some sirens blaring as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. As a hat. Um, yeah. As a hat. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's right. You stick that hat on. An air raid siren. Actually, that's not a good idea. If there's quite <laughs> a few M&S. old people in not there, <laughs> they don't want to hear that, do well, they? They probably get out of the way though, wouldn't they? Yeah. And that's what you want. Right. So you it's know, extreme. on you go. On you go. Now. I imagine you've probably got some criticisms, but let me see if I can address a couple of them before you even mention them. And that way, I don't even need to be on the podcast at all. Which is what I've always wanted. Happy Christmas, Paul. <laughs> but I always find it so difficult to say. <laughs> okay, so, you know, what about other people? You know, that's what you're thinking. You give them all plows. <laughs> okay? Plows for you, plows for me, plows wow. for everybody. Because if you see a plow coming at you, yeah. because of the very sharp point on it, yeah. they'll kind of just glance across each other and sort of get themselves back in. Right, yeah. You know, they'll, they'll avoid each other, and you can doff your cap at them. One good thing about having a comedy podcast with a long title is that the URL is likely not to be taken, which is why you can catch more of those guys over at rickandpaulhealtheworld.com. You can also find the show scattered across the internet in places like Stitcher and iTunes and Libsyn. They're over on Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N, which is also sort of our kind of our main flagship place where this podcast booms out from. We're at Libsyn as well. I want to play a clip from a podcast by a longtime supporter and friend of Succotash, Megan Moen. I only knew her from her Twitter handle for a very long time, at Podcast Whore. But it's also, it's already been two years since she kicked off her Screams and Moans podcast. So congrats, Megan. Her guest in her 36th episode is Wayne Baglin, whose own podcast, The Crunch Time Show, I think, is in the podcast graveyard. But uh, he was also an inspiration to getting her started, so he's her guest. Wayne Crunchy Baglin, hello. I feel there should be some sort of fanfare for this, like, two-year anniversary episode, but I couldn't afford any fanfare, so I apologize now. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. That'll do. I should also apologise for bringing you into this sordid world of podcasting, in all fairness. You didn't warn me nearly enough, to be honest. Trust me, there's no type of warning that could prepare you for the sudden onslaught of podcasting that we have now suffered for two years. (laughs) Suffered? You mean enjoyed, surely. I mean enjoy yours, I mean suffer the world of it in general. (laughs) I don't know, I feel like it's been a pretty good two years for me in podcasting anyway oh yeah for you it's been absolutely fabulous i mean there was a six-month period where i tried it and failed but there you go (laughs) but anyway this is this isn't a podcast all about me this is a podcast all about you sweetheart how the devil are you uh i'm all right a bit giggly as usual and i still do find it funny that i do get it a bit nervous before i start every episode even two years in as you can see, no one else can see right now, but... <laughs> yeah, there is a so, sort of um, uncertainty in your face, which is uh, almost a turn-on, but I can't, don't really need to say that. <laughs> You're like... But that's, that's, that's the thing with this type of format. Because you're speaking to someone new every time, you have that uncertainty to look forward to, and it kind of actually gives you that little bit of edge when you're recording. It's a nice feeling. I was going to say, I suppose I never thought about it that way, but it's probably true because it's also made me more outgoing 
in you know outside of the podcast world because I've had to learn how to just kind of jump in and get people talking uh, because obviously some guests I know better than others so some of them it's not a problem to just hop in as if we were chatting on Skype or Facebook or anything else but I know I've definitely had other guests where I've never talked to them other than you know maybe on Twitter or a couple Facebook interactions and all of a sudden they're on the show so <laughs> there's definitely a learning curve to that I think but um, yeah it also I guess keeps it a bit exciting and I think it's been good just meeting people because I don't know I mean I know there's a bunch of listeners out there and some of them some of you out there interact with the community on Facebook or Twitter or different things but I don't know about you, but it really becomes like the second community that you become a part of uh, when you either listen and get involved or actually start doing podcasts. Yeah, because you have that so, um, type of interaction with people who tend to listen to the old one or two episodes or tend to listen to a few episodes and say, oh, this is nice. Keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. And then you have the hardcore podcast community who listen to every show, love what you're doing, make suggestions, or are podcasters themselves, like to help out as much as they can. And you have the two different worlds that you have to try and get used to at the same time. Yeah. And when, especially when you become more famous and, well, I say famous, infamous, and you get that interaction from people who are loving your show and, like, I'm, I'm assuming when you have the first text message or the first facebook social messaging post that said oh this is brilliant i love it i can't wait for the next one you were giddy as a schoolgirl. you must have been oh my gosh yeah i mean as soon as it's like you get that feedback or even i don't pay actually for stats anymore like i've just kind of gotten past the point of giving a shit about that <laughs> but because i kind of figure you know people check it out i have you know a small dedicated set of listeners obviously i would love to have more but um, at the same time, I like that it's a size that you can still interact and deal with them and it's, it feels a bit more personal. And yeah, I don't know, it's like you get to know them. Another lucky winner in the URL game, Megan's show, can be found at screamsandmoans.com, as well as loads of web-based locations that enjoy scattering podcasts to the four winds like so many seeds. We got a note to check out a show from Adelaide, Australia called The Buffet King. So, of course, we did. By their pictures on the SoundCloud page for this show, the three hosts, Matt O'Brien, Matt Ricks, and Luke Ver Verheron, Verheron? Not sure how you pronounce that, uh, are all gentlemen of proportion, to use a phrase that Taylor once used on me when fitting me for a tuxedo. This clip is from their second episode where they obviously feel they are in a position to chat about how funny can directly translate to body mass or not. Uh, same, 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 yeah, oh, that's man. a fucking good movie. I haven't seen yeah. that movie. Same Vince, a good movie. It's, yeah. got that, it's got that rotund girl from uh, Spy in it. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> You know, the one that looks like me. Ah. With a wig. Um, what are you talking about it? Yeah, um, yeah, Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. Melissa McCarthy, yeah, she's in it. Yeah. She's she actually plays an unfunny mum in it, which is probably more her speed. <laughs> um, but Bill, no, Mar Bill Murray's excellent in it. She's <laughs> funny in stuff, but it's just the last like we were saying before, the last four, yeah, the last four movies she's made, she's been fat, gross woman. You know what she'd be good in? In some sort of and there's always some sort of travel involved. <laughs> Just what? to watch her thighs chafe, I guess. <laughs> a physical journey or like a journey of inspiration? Both. Right. Both. Well, it's always like, oh, she's fat and gross. You know oh, what she's she'd, a harder she'd be good in? 1994. Good in 1994? Because yeah. she wouldn't be big fat. No, Tegan was watching her show. Uh, what's that one with the... I fucking hate it. I Is it Gilmore fucking, Girls? Yes. Ah, They're always just like... Oh, yeah. and she was a chef in it. That's where she got fat. She no, but she was thinner. She was like... Well, like thin, thin, but she was like... No, she wasn't. She was halfway between a Rix and a Vaharan. No, not even that. She was like, she was just a normal, like a normal good-sized woman. And I was like, who is that? I was like, oh, it's fucking her. But that's when she had the kids in it. And she wasn't funny. Yeah. Yeah. But no one. So she bet same. Yeah, I think or it does. Funnier like, looking. Okay, Bill Murray, fat, hilarious. Yeah, Eddie Murphy, fat, hilarious. Although he comes pretty bad. <laughs> that wasn't his real fat though. <laughs> But if you like John Candy, be just be as funny, feels thin. No. Nah. Would Jim Carrey be funny, fat? 
Probably well, not. to to be perfectly honest, I'm pretty sure John Candy is pretty thin there. I mean, he's decomposing. Exactly. That's, That's the best fucking diet secret there is. Kill yourself. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm having a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not feeling great. I spilled some coke. <laughs> I had hamburgers at three o'clock in the morning that I had to make. Yeah. Hey, hey, yeah, I made two of them. I had sesame seeds on them, so it's alright. Oh, it's like fucking Are You Okay Day all the time. Was it? Was it like house burger with the plastic in the middle when you get get the knife in and get the frozen burger out of the plastic? No, no, no. It was. Was it? It was uh, Angus Slapes. Slapes. Are you you saying that right? Is that a word? Yes, (laughs) Slapes. I tell you, Slapes. Let's watch the ball drop. Snowy. Um, I think we managed to offend so far. Everybody. Yeah, okay. That's the Buffet Kings, and if you have trouble making them out through their uh, their rather thick Australian accents, don't be don't be shy. Go ahead and re-listen to the clip if you'd like, or get the whole damn show. I can't find a home site for them per se, but they have a Facebook page, a SoundCloud page, a Stitcher entry. But you know what? I'm not sure they're up on iTunes yet. At least I could not find it. But that's the Buffet Kings. Check them out. Associate producer Tyson Sainer clipped off a bit of the Push the Button podcast hosted by David Vox Mullen and Mr. Anderson. (laughs) That's it. He's Mr. Anderson. I don't know if it's the same guy from The Matrix. They chatted up about a bunch of different things, and in this clip, they're talking about the brouhaha that kicked up this past holiday season over Starbucks changing the design of their holiday cups. Ken, you had a, a list of topics you wanted to hit today. Yeah, let's talk about the Starbucks cups. I know it's been a couple weeks removed. We're a couple weeks removed from this, but um, a couple weeks ago, a guy named Josh Fierstein, who is a fundamentalist Christian pastor, preacher, whatever, and he puts out these YouTube videos all the time. Uh, they're very inflammatory, uh, in my opinion. And this particular one, uh, apparently Starbucks changed their cups from having wreaths and stars and reindeer and stuff like that to just having red, just red, the color red. And Josh basically said that that was tantamount to them hating Christmas and it was that they're uh, a part of the war on the Christmas. The war on Christmas, right. And that they hate Christianity and they hate Christians. And um, so he suggested that people start going into... Uh, apparently Starbucks employees aren't allowed to say... Merry Christmas, Christmas anymore, right. because they want people to be inclusive. We don't live in a Christian country. We live in a Muslim country and an atheist country. And a Which I, I agree with 100%. Jewish and country. As, as, as uh, I don't know if we've established this, but I, I know I'm, I'm one of the, I think, few uh, Christians at this table. Uh, if not the only, I don't know, yeah, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting guns to anybody's heads, demanding a, a declaration. But um, I wanted to mention that when that first came out, I, I couldn't remember a single one of uh, the Christian friends that I have even commenting on the issue. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I knew. I, I certainly didn't. I went to Starbucks that morning, and it the has next nothing day. to do with Christian. It really does. It doesn't. has to do yeah. with him trying to garner some kind of. Um, control and, and uh, assert some type of power within the public community. That's what he's doing. Yeah. And he's manipulating people, and they're willingly going along with it. And unfortunately, our society has become a society that's ruled by the vocal minority, not by the majority. The majority of us don't give a care about a red cup or right. anything else. Or you can, if you're if you're a Christian, wish me Merry Christmas. If you're Jewish, wish me Happy Hanukkah. I Absolutely. care less. It means nothing to me. But, um, you know, for the majority of people, it doesn't. But for those minority, vocal minority, corporations now are controlled by that vocal minority. Uh, media is controlled by the vocal minority, not by the majority. Politics is controlled by the vocal minority. Well, and that and money. So. Sure. Well, and, and the Facebook generation that we live in, I mean, that was it, was it was lit up predominantly from people who opposed Christianity, thinking that all those Christians are being ridiculous. And again, that's where I was coming from, where I didn't know any of them. Well, that's that the thing. It's, saying a, that. it's a war that nobody's fighting. Right. It's being manipulated. Is what yeah. You are. That's, yeah. yeah. Honestly, you are. And it's being and, manipulated. And, and the face, and I, I could say Facebook all day, because Facebook, I, even I have been like actively trying to be on Facebook less, because I can't handle the stress. 
I can handle my ex-girlfriend more than I can handle Facebook, and I can't handle that chick at all. Well, I, I, for me personally, I just try to be positive on there. I don't right. put any negative stuff on there, really. Right, Other than my little, you know, digs at Christianity every once in a while. Right, but you like sit that. there, and this is me. This is just me. I sit there, and I stare at that, and they're like, yeah, this isn't right. I'm like, yeah, that's not right. And I think, yeah. I'm like, no, you you don't care about this. You're right. being manipulated. But you're not being manipulated just by Facebook. Manipulated oh, sure. by mainstream media too. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Right. What do you but think? I think that guy was actually what he was doing was he's uh, he's extremely intelligent as far as a capitalist pig. What he was doing was he Don't was like, I'm going to I'm going to say I'm going to say everything the extremist left thinks the extremist Christian right is, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to get so many people that hate me that will watch this in protest, and as those hits re- roll up and roll up and roll up, oh, yeah. so will the checks into my bank account. Sure. Okay. Yeah, it's and really a more, caricature, right? Yes, it's, a, it's he's not even legitimate. I watched one of the videos, and he said the thing about the cup, and they wrote, oh, what's your name? It's Merry Christmas, so they have to write Merry Christmas on the cup or some shit. Then all of a sudden he holds up a gun, like he's never held a gun in his life. And he said, I carried a gun in here, he's holding it by the bottom of the handle, the gun swings around. And he drops it out of the thing. And I'm like, he is playing a character that the extremist left believe is completely dangerous. And he's playing to every stereotype they believe. Mm-hmm. He's this Stephen Colbert. Is. I was just going to yeah. say, is it kind of a Stephen Colbert? Yeah, but, thing? but I don't think, but, but, but he's he not might a, be playing a character, but he actually believes that he, stuff. I don't think he does. And I, he's also on Comedy Central. He's not on Comedy Central. He's not supposed to be taken as comedy or entertainment. Right. This dude is dangerous. Push the Button is part of the vast DVM podcast empire, most of which are podcasts devoted to particular TV shows. Just sort of glancing at their website, they, they talk about Gotham and Grimm and iZombie. The list goes on and on. Uh, but you can find more episodes of Push the Button at the Empire's home site, which is DVMPE. Dot com, as well as all those other streamy, downloady places. One of our awesome Twitter supporters is Bill Sweeney, one of the hosts and producer and the producer of the Wicked Theory podcast, so I thought it was high time we played a clip from a recent episode. He's joined here by his buddy Dom, his brother Bob, and not his buddy Ed, who apparently called in sick. They do a lot of talking on this show about movies, TV shows, and nerdy stuff, uh, and they really get into it. They also talk about a lot of different topics as they go, so they sound a little something like this. Here's, here's a show that I'm very uh, excited about. Oh, yeah? Probably one of my biggest uh, biggest shows of the biggest year. Biggest shows on that list? And that is uh, The People versus O.J. Simpson, an American crime <laughs> story. Bob, have you seen a commercial for this yet? Yeah, I've se- I have. And okay. uh, it's just like Cuba Gooding Jr. was just so happy to be working. <laughs> as much as I'm intrigued, I'm so nervous for it. Oh, my it God. it feels that's, like it's That's why I'm so excited okay. for it. Yeah. Okay, good. I still want to be the only one that was feeling that. I mean, because I think like, it's obvious, but... Yeah, yeah. it can so, go either way. It's cool. obviously a great story. Sure. Um, you know, that's that Compelling, goes without saying. But the, whole the, the cast, it's like... You know, maybe like 94, 98, 97, like this yeah. cast would have been like blowing you out of the oh, water because shit. it's like Connie Britton, uh, it's fucking John, John Travolta, Travolta, Cuba Gooding Jr., <laughs> David Schwimmer, I know, is playing Robert Kardashian. Yeah. It's literally 1997. Ross. That's Ross from Friends, <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know. He's playing Robert Kardashian. If this was 1997, yeah. you'd be like, this is this in the is A-list. This, this, is, is, this is like this, A-list. And it's going to TV, but in 97, yeah. it would have been Let's like- Let's give it like a uh, $100 million budget. You know? <laughs> we would get the Oscar for this one. Yeah. Now it's like, you want to put those people in a movie? <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, TV, huh? Yeah. But well, what, what kind of network you go for? You go for like a little local- Channel? It's on FX. It's on, on FX. FX. They're so. looking for something too—a big hit lately. Yeah. It's gonna be on Absolutely. after the local high school football game, right? <laughs> <laughs> it kind of looks like it might be done by by a local. Yeah, it looks like it was actually shot in a, in a, on in a, the, those security cameras that they have in the police the station. CCTV <laughs> close caption. So, um, I actually, any, I I the good think ones, it the good ones, looks but like it's pretty well done. No, no, no I, I think it does too, but at the same time, I feel a little schlockiness to it. Like, well, it I might think, be intentional, though. I think yeah, they... Because they're trying to capture, like, 19 whatever that year is. Yeah, and I, I think it was, like, 1990. kind of maybe making me feel like it's schlocky. Yeah, it like was that. definitely 1994, 1990. Yeah. Yeah. 90, do you yeah. remember where you were? Yeah, I do. Okay, because this is I like... Was, I, I say this all the time. This is like yeah, our I generation's do, JFK. I was, I was working where for Apple. Meet? I was actually working for... Um, I was actually working for a car service. I'm trying to remember which okay. one. But you were, you were I, I remember on the, the job? office. I was on the job that day. Okay. They, were, they were telling us over the radio what was going on. Oh, wow. They were giving you play-by-plays? Yeah. 
That's why I remember it because I yeah, actually yeah. had to stop by the office for, to give him like to give the dispatcher his food for okay. his lunch, and I got to I got to see the slow motion chase. Some yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I remember being I was at Mikey I was at Mikey's house and I remember being there and I was like, what's going on? It's just on every channel and it was like, oh, it's OJ. And we were just like, fucking, yeah, burn but, another one. All right, let's stay here for five hours yeah, and watch while, this. While we're on it, how sad is it that it's we have things in our life that we're mm-hmm. never going to forget moments, like mm-hmm. collective moments, the, mm-hmm. the whole country. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, well, that's bombing what I was saying. Pearl Harbor. Well, that's what I was saying about this. That's yeah. why I asked you, because this is my, I think this yeah. is our generation's, well, where were you during JF, JFK well, getting shot? No, I don't, I, don't, I don't include that one. No, but, but that's why but, I said yeah. our generation's right. JFK well, getting shot. Well, it's moment. one, it's one, yeah, Oh, it's sure, there's like, other ones like, but, you know, where were you when no, Heisman guy's leg broken? <laughs> I, was, I was trying to get somewhere, but thank you. <laughs> okay. Never mind. All right. Never mind. Okay. You had more? I did, but never mind now. Oh, all right. Thank you. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> so they're they're just talking about one show there, but the Wicked Theory guys cover a lot of shows and movies and comics and stuff in every episode, so they are packed with nerdy goodness or goody nerdness. Find it on their home site, wickedtheory.blogspot.com. Plus, they're on Tumblr, Facebook, iTunes, and all that sort of thing. All right, let's close out this chapter of Succotash with our second burst of Durst, which has our favorite political comedian and social commentator summing up the New Hampshire experience. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words about New Hampshire, which is as different from Iowa as the Himalayan mountains are from Jack in the Box seasoned curly fries. Well, the Hawkeye State focuses on winners, just eight days later, the New Hampshire primary is all about the losing. And to say there was plenty of that going around is like insinuating that New Orleans on Mardi Gras bustles. In fact, the Granite State was strewn with loser debris so deep you needed galoshes to keep from stepping in the gooey remains of all the various presidential campaign meltdowns. More losers than the Carolina Panthers' blue and silver rooting section at the Caesars Palace Sports Bar. Carly Fiorina was such a huge loser she up and quit. You could say her campaign was aborted, and she has video of it kicking and screaming, which she'll sell to you. Chris Christie also waddled down the walk of shame, because as Vince Lombardi famously told us, quitters never win, and winners never quit. And head cheese is much better when broken into its component parts than taken as a whole. But Governor Christie was also a winner for completing his self-appointed task of writing Marco Rubio right into the wall. Let us dispense with this fiction that Marco Rubio was not a big loser. Or to put it another way, let us dispense with this fiction that Marco Rubio was not a big loser. Or to put it another way, let us dispense with this fiction that Marco Rubio... You get the idea. John Kasich came in second, which, alas, makes him a medium-sized loser because now he has to go to South Carolina. But the biggest loser of all was Bernie Sanders because even though he crushed Hillary Clinton by 22 points, she will probably end up with the same exact number of delegates from New Hampshire. They don't call it the establishment for nothing, Senator Sanders. Who's feeling the burn now? For Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast, I'm Will Durst. Let us dispense with this fiction that Marco Rubio, you get the idea. For more of Will, hop on over to willdurst.com or check out his tweets at Will Durst on Twitter. Also, if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, he appears in comedy clubs all over the place, so check that out. He also tours around the country, so he may show up in your town. Also, with spring training come up, it's a sure bet he's going to be in the uh, Scottsdale Arizona area to check out the Giants training camp this year. I don't know that he'll be performing. He usually gets in a show somewhere. So if you're hanging out there, look around for Will. All right, before we get out of here, um, I wanted to uh, cast out a plug for the Raining Lunatic podcast episode seven from our friend uh, uh, Jeffrey Welchman. Uh, Because I'm appearing in it. That's right. I have a guest starring role as the royal astronomer. 
and uh, I'd like you to uh, pay heed to the to the reigning lunatic if you haven't discovered the show yet. So uh, check it out. It's all over the internet. Uh, you know, all the places. He's on iTunes and he's on Stitcher and Reigning Lunatic. I think he's got his own website, ReigningLunatic.com even. So uh, thanks very much, Mr. Welchman, for inviting me to appear on the show and stretch my vocal cords a bit. So check that out if you want to. That's going to put a bow on this edition of Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast. Remember that you can find links to the home sites of the shows featured on this episode's blog entry up at SuccotashShow.com. And if you have any desire to help a brother out, there are 99 things wrong with our website, but our donate button ain't one of them. Works just fine. So go click on it. Give us some cash. As does our Amazon banner at the top of the page. That works too. Click on that sucker. Buy something on Amazon. The world's largest anything store is going to give us a tasty kickback. Or you can buy yourself a Succo t-shirt, mug, or other goo at the Succotashery, also easily accessible at the aforementioned SuccotashShow.com. Any of those three options will help us out, and I will thank you mightily. All right. Ah, I'm trying out my new sign-off this episode. Let me know what you think. Here we go. <clears throat> Why do I even bother? <sighs> You've been listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, and on SoundCloud. You can also hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Email us at MA at SuccotashShow.com or call into the Suckatash hotline at our non-toll-free call number 818-921-7212 Suckatash is produced and engineered with the kind assistance of Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our associate producer is Tyson Saner. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I am your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the succotash. Goodbye.